Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Thinking of starting a podcast? We'll try Anchor. It's free, easy to use, and its creation tools allow you to record and edit directly from your phone or computer. It'll even take care of distribution for you with a single tap so you can be heard on platforms such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. Also, Anchor is the only place you can publish video podcasts directly to Spotify. Man, you can even make money using Anchor in a couple of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. It's truly everything you need in one place to make a podcast. So make sure to go download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Again, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Welcome to another edition of the It's Cavalier podcast. As always, it's your boy Mac. Joining me today is Corey Walsh of Fear the Sword. You know him well, my friend and co-host here. Corey, man, it's been a while since we've uh, gotten on here together scheduling, you know, yeah. stuff like that during this uh, holiday time. But this was an early gift, if I uh, if I dare say so. How are you feeling after tonight's victory? I'm in a streaking mood, Mac. How about yourself? <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah, man. Uh, you know, entering tonight's matchup with Milwaukee, the Cavs had won seven of their last 10 and were on heels of a four-game winning streak. Hence what Corey just mentioned. Feeling pretty streaky here. Um, one of the multiple streaks that the Cavs have now had on the season. Uh, they entered tonight's matchup looking for a fifth straight win. And guess what? They got it. It was not always pretty at times, although we kind of felt like uh, this this should have been a landslide, if I uh, can speak for the both of us here. But uh, I do have to say, Corey, uh, in their last and their previous two matchups with Milwaukee, I was a little concerned, you know, after those two matchups. I was a little concerned heading into tonight's matchup, even though they were without Chris Middleton. Um, and it seemed like this one was going to be decided after the force, uh, after the first quarter. Uh, where they outscored the Bucks twenty to thirty-four, and the defense just seemed to be, you know, there from the jump. Everybody was flying around for some turnovers, um, and for me, like efforts like tonight really make me feel like this team can beat anybody when they're locked in. But my question for you, my friend, is um, it's it's really no no surprise the Cavs, the Bucks really have been a thorn in our side for since this rebuild started since the second post LeBron rebuild started, they have a five and 12 record against the Cavs since LeBron left Cleveland for the second time. Um, and it's safe to say that if Cleveland wants to get like into a deep playoff run, they're going to eventually have to face this team in a, uh, in a playoff series. So my question for you is after watching tonight's game, it obviously, again, they do not have Chris Middleton. But after watching tonight's game, on a scale of 1 to 10, how confident would you be facing this Milwaukee Bucks team in a seven-game playoff series? 
Uh, I would probably say around a four or five, <laughs> mostly because, <laughs> you know, the Bucks are battle tested. I think tonight was a good display of even though this team looked, as you said, down and out after the first quarter, this team is playoff tested, has the veteran savvy to punch their way back into a game with repeated stretches in the game where it seemed like they were knocking on the door for the Cavs. And then they suddenly show up at the end of the game and it's like a six point game, which it could have easily been way worse if Javon Carter didn't miss an open three pointer to cut it to three. So I just say, (laughs) I think if anything, this proved more that the Cavs, if we got into a series with Milwaukee can easily make it a competitive series. Like it wouldn't just be a blow by for Milwaukee. I think if we met them, it would probably, based off the way that the two teams are playing, it'd have to be in the Eastern Conference Finals. So it would definitely be a competitive series. I think they seem to figure some stuff out. I mean, not having Middleton, who's their second best scorer on a given night, definitely makes it kind of hard to see how they would attack them defensively because it's easier to just crap make a wall for Giannis like they did tonight and beg everyone else to shoot them into out of the game. And uh, Brooke Lopez wasn't a flamethrower tonight. So there was a lot of differences between this matchup and the last matchup. I honestly, man, I I feel like I'm at about like a 6-7 right now in regards to this. And again, I know like Chris Middleton's absence means the world to them. He's that impactful for them. He's, he's been an all-star for a reason. Uh, you know, he, he really is Giannis's true second option you know and that's no disrespect to drew holiday who is an awesome player in his own right and any other buck you want to name there whether it be brooke lopez um or bobby portis or anybody else uh but i really legitimately feel like this team if they play like this if they play locked in and i think in a playoff setting they absolutely would they could definitely come away victorious i think it would take every bit of seven games but man like the one thing that this Cleveland team seemed to have missed for much of last season, and this is with like with Darius Garland being spectacular, with Jared Allen being spectacular, you know, with Evan Mobley being really good in his rookie season. Um, the one thing that they seemed to lack was that one guy, like that one dude who could just take over and score and just, you know, get you a bucket whenever you absolutely need it. Shit, we know, <laughs> we know Milwaukee has it and and Giannis and I mean, obviously, tonight's game was a testament of that. He he damn near willed this team uh, back to it, it by himself. I mean, but this man have 45-some points tonight. <sighs> man, it's just, just it's some absolutely light work. ridiculous. <laughs> yes, for him, it just seems like it comes natural. 45 points, 14 rebounds, 4 assists on 17 of 27 shooting. This, this motherfucker took 27 shots. The next closest buck would took. Took 12. That was Drew Holiday, who shot atrociously from the field, <laughs> 3 of 12. But I say all that to say the Bucks have their their dude, and they, they, they've, they're proven. They have won a championship together. Giannis is that type of guy. The Cavs just got that in Donovan Mitchell, who was pretty awesome himself tonight. I had, had to throw my Donovan Mitchell jersey on for those <laughs> of you guys who are watching um, tonight. But, you know, Donovan put up – 36 points himself. So he he was really, really, really awesome. And he continues to impress me. 
but the, the next question I really wanted to, to, to hear from you was, what was the most impressive thing from tonight's matchup on Cleveland's side of things? Because we saw a lot. I think the things that stood out to me most were Isaac Okoro looked very comfortable today. I think I said it over Twitter, but every time Isaac Okoro scores a point, I get like unreasonably <laughs> excited because I'm just, it's like, oh man, maybe he's like taking an inch towards being back to a relevant offensive player. But at the same time, uh, his defense, you alluded to earlier, Drew Holiday shot horribly. It was no coincidence that Isaac Okoro was on Drew Holiday for a majority of this game. Basically, Absolutely. no pun intended, icing him out. And uh, I think the other thing that really stood out to me was even though Donovan Mitchell finished with 30 plus points, he ended the half like three for 10 shooting wise. So it just shows once again, that he's one of these players that at the drop of a dime can pick up the offensive load when needed. And as Milwaukee kept punching themselves back into this game, Donovan Mitchell just kept shoving them Derrick Henry style back to the ground where they belong as the Cavs are the Eastern conference elite or at least the regular season. Yeah. I mean, I, for me tonight's probably the most impressive thing of the entire matchup was the fact that they forced 19 Milwaukee turnovers with more than half of those coming in the first half. Yeah. I think it was 14 in the first half. Yeah, when, when Milwaukee looked completely discombobulated and disinterested in this game, just completely careless with the basketball, the Cavs were all over it. They forced 19 turnovers tonight to Cleveland's 10. That's just awesome. And, you know, Corey, I know you've seen it, I because I for damn sure have seen it. People have been all over Darius Garland and company for turning the ball over and being a little bit too careless and although Darius finished with a uh, with a I want to say team high four turnovers, it didn't really matter tonight because when he when the Cavs needed him to step up, he held on to the ball. He made timely uh, timely passes, and although the the assist numbers won't reflect that, and he made some pretty timely baskets too down the stretch in the fourth. Um, tell me a little bit about how you have you been feeling about Darius Garland over these last uh, five or so games? Is he starting to round back into form? You think? I think it's very easy for someone of Darius's caliber that if he's not performing to the level that people are accustomed to seeing, they think he's immediately just like regressing because he's so young and it. His season last year could seem more like an abnormality to the common eye than most. But at the same time, like the reason Darius Garland is so turnover prone is because he's the main facilitator for this team. I know people want, I think Donovan Mitchell has the ball equally in his hands as much as Darius Garland does. But when Donovan gets the ball, it's not like his primary goal is to facilitate. Darius Garland is a true throwback point guard in the sense that even though he can score from all facets of the floor, he doesn't really want to. He wants to be the guy that gets the ball bouncing around and getting guys involved. That's his like primary – I think that's his like main joy – of playing basketball, it seems like. I think he gets more joy out of getting his teammates involved than scoring the flashy buckets that we have seen from time to time. But at the same time, um, Darius also, I mean, you're going to have those types of turnovers when you're the guy forcing passes to other teammates. So I don't look at his turnovers as negatively as I think other Cavs fans are. I look at it as him trying to get teammates involved. It's not like he's like, 
trying to do ISO ball and is daring <laughs> people to pick his pocket the entire time. I'm, I would be way more upset with that. Cause that's just not Darius's play style. He's playing the same way he's played in the past. It's just that he's trying to figure things out with a new group of castmates. He's actually averaging less turnovers this year than he did all of last season. Um, and, and I think to me, having the amount of players that you have this season that handle the ball is obviously, you know, that, that, changes things because you have a, a healthy Karis LeVert, you have a Donovan Mitchell that you're sharing the backcourt with, and you're eventually going to get Ricky Rubio back, which will definitely uh, cut into some of his touches uh, when the two are on the court together. But by and large, Darius Garland has played some really good basketball this season. And I think the the biggest gripe that people have found with him, or at least that I've seen people indicate, is that he plays shitty when he's away from home. Do you buy into that? Is there something with that? I don't think so. I just think it's just the luck of the draw. You know, players, you can't expect a player to have the exact same shooting percentage night to night. And if he so coincidentally shoots better at home when the Cavs have an insanely better record at home (laughs) than on the road. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, it's easier to shoot when you're winning games and when you're on the road. Like the Cavs always, their road story is always the same from start to finish. They get off to an amazing lead. They have a good lead usually going into the fourth quarter, and then they get into a slump, and the entire game goes away. And it's not just Darius Garland that goes into a slow a slump, folks. There's other people who shoot the basketball in the fourth quarter. Darius Garland doesn't play all 12 minutes every road game. So also for those who are attacking Darius, I seem to think that Donovan Mitchell's our closer. So how is Darius Garland closing games if Donovan Mitchell's our closer? So for the same man you're praising, everyone is equally accountable for the Cavs sucking on the road. It's not just Darius Garland missing shots. Yeah, I mean, I think when people see him miss a ton of shots, they seem to forget that in a lot of those games – Donovan Mitchell is missing a lot of fucking shots too. Like it's not just Darius. It happens. It comes, uh, it comes in waves with more than just Darius Garland. You see Jetty Osmond go through these stretches. You see Donovan Mitchell go through some of them. Karis LeVert, especially. Um, it happens to the best of them. And you know, we know there's this it's a cliche for a reason. You know, there's no place like home. The Cavs with tonight's victory are now 16 and 2 at home, which is a beautiful mark. <laughs> And I continue. I hope that that continues to be the case um, as we as we get closer and closer to the all star break and whatnot. Uh, But you just you you never know what you're going to get. And as long as the Cavs are winning games, I I could really care less about all that nonsense. Um, and, And the Cavs have proven over the course of this short season so far that they can win pretty. They can win big. They can win ugly. Um, And sometimes they'll win with with a complete game uh, performance. Was that it tonight? I I don't necessarily think so because there was uh, a couple of occasions in which I felt that the team let Milwaukee get a little bit too close, kind of took their foot off the gas a little bit. But I say a lot to ask you, was there any point in tonight's game when you felt like this was slipping, like where we might possibly be heading for an L? Uh, Probably in the fourth quarter when it just felt like, you know, it wasn't even like the Cavs were shooting nuclear in the first half. It was more, like you said, the turnovers, because as a third analyst in the booth who somehow always sneaks his way into the big games, Mike Fratello said, uh, 
it's easier to oh my uh, win games when you're getting easy transition buckets and the Cavs off turnovers and the Cavs were just taking every opportunity Milwaukee was offering on a silver platter and turning it into points. And then once the Cavs started turning the ball over, the Bucks did the same exact thing. But then it, it wasn't really even, I feel like, turnovers in the fourth quarter that killed us. It was just missing shots, which happens. Like, it's not something that, like, will carry over from game to game. But at the same time, if you're going to miss shots, Milwaukee is one of those teams that when push comes to shove, they're going to do the same offensive set every time. They're going to have Giannis go up top, <laughs> ram, ram his head down the middle like a bull. And then the Cavs were sending two every time and were begging one of the supporting cast members of Milwaukee to hit shots, which they did up until the the, the Carter shot with about like a minute and a half left, which kind of signaled that that game was pretty much over. But yeah, no, um, that's when I felt it was slipping the most. Otherwise, like if you took that Cavs game from tip to half, that was like a, the best the Cavs could have played against Milwaukee at that point, given what they were doing. Absolutely. I think the game plan has to remain the same, even when Chris Middleton comes back. You know, now obviously this victory tonight makes the Cavs one and two against Milwaukee on the season in there. I think they have one more matchup uh, coming up, but I believe that this should probably be the game plan even when he returns, because, you know, Giannis is going to get his, (laughs) I mean, this dude is just unstoppable. And you know, I tweeted this out during the game. When he's driving to the basket with a full head of steam, that has to be one of the scariest sights in basketball if you're a defender. Like I, I, I it's honestly, one of the most hopeless as well, because like that dude never gets charge calls ever, even though he is just a bull in a china shop. He he has earned, I guess, you know, he, he's earned that type of whistle of the officiating. We can make whatever we want of it. Because it did kind of seem like the Cavs weren't getting a lot of calls that they should have, in the, especially in that first half. Uh, but you know he's going to get his, whether he's charging towards the, towards the rim, whether he's drawing fouls. And this, you know, Donovan Mitchell, Donovan Mitchell shot 16 free throws tonight. Uh, Giannis shot 16 too. I mean, this guy, um, is he the league leader in free throws attempted? Giannis, I would uh, not be surprised. I was thinking during the game that Ken Ganley Kia should have her commercials air in Milwaukee because they would be, they would have like 30 <laughs> second ad reads between every free throw because that dude, he soaks that 10 second shot clock <laughs> for free really throws. Does. Yeah. I mean, like, he just, there, I don't even know how to describe it. He he just he's so damn good at drawing fouls. Him, Joel Embiid, you know James Harden of old. These guys just learn how to get that whistle. And Giannis, it's a little bit different for him because he's just such a damn force. Like like kind of like Shaq was back in the day, but he's actually hitting his free throws. He went eleven of sixteen <laughs> from the free throw line tonight. So like the hack of Giannis strategy would never work with him now because he's elevated his game such that you know you really i don't even know if the whole building a wall strategy is still a thing against him because he can still get around it he can he can go through it <laughs> he's just that good he's either going to go through it or over it or draw a foul um, and he can hit the occasional three now so he's just he doesn't have really a huge flaw in his game 
that said, there is one thing that I wanted to ask you about that's kind of been on my mind lately because this was a big topic throughout much of the offseason for us, and that was the starting small forward position, and we know it's kind of been like a revolving door, right? <laughs> so my question to you is, you know, and I'll preface it with this. With tonight's game, Isaac Okoro, over his last three starts, has averaged 10 points, 3.7 rebounds, 2.3 assists, and he's actually knocked down a few triples. Has Isaac Okoro done enough to claim that starting small forward spot for good, even when Donovan, uh, not Donovan, even when Lamar Stevens and Dean Wade return to the lineup? I think what I've learned from this rotating cast at the three is that the Cavs should leave that three position in flux and leave it to be positional based matchups. I don't think there's any clear candidate that I would want to start at the three over the other. I think it truly does depend on who we're playing that night. Matchup. And when you play someone like Milwaukee, you need to def- match up defensively. I mean, when Chris Middleton comes back, ideally I think Isaac Okoro is going to be the guy who gets the call to guard him, not Drew Holiday. I feel like they put Donovan Mitchell on him at that point because Donovan Mitchell has also been a pretty good defender as well. He really and, has. And Karis LeVert is lengthy enough, and he has shown enough effort that he could also do it as well. I think the Cavs have like a bunch of B to B plus options at the three, <laughs> but they don't have anyone, in my opinion, that like solidifies what they're looking to do. So mm-hmm. if they want to go more offensively, they could always go for Dean to stretch the floor. If they want to get some more energy from their starting five, you could always throw Lamar in. If you want true offense overall, you could always put Karras in, but that weakens the bench. Yeah. Isaac Coro is obviously your defensive-oriented player. And if I, Isaac's going to be as consistent as he has been and being aggressive off-ball, as we've seen in this three game stretch, I think that's like the major difference. It's not even that mm-hmm. he's hitting threes. It's that he's not, it doesn't feel like he's a spectator. He's it doesn't feel like a spectator on offense. It feels like at times, like he would just stand in the corner and then just kind of watch everyone else orchestrate the offense just from a sense of like lacking the confidence. But now we're seeing these off ball cuts from Isaac and it's truly showing that like, if you just, Get involved somewhat and keep your defensive matchup honest. Good things will only come for Isaac Okoro. And we already knew he was good in transition. So if we can just get him involved in other facets, he easily could be a starting three for this team for the rest of the year. I think that's a good way to put it. I mean, everybody offers a slightly different type of faucet to their uh, to the game and and to that lineup now isaac like though one of the most impressive things that i've seen from him over that stretch is that i mean over these last three games he's a he's attempted 12 threes at four game pretty much and um you know his his field goal numbers go 11 attempts eight attempts six attempts and so obviously you don't want him jacking up a whole bunch of shots especially if he's not hitting them but he's got a 48 percent field goal percentage over these last three games, um, taking 25, uh, 25 total field goals. So I want him to continue to feel comfortable taking that three, especially when he has it open because the defenses just don't respect him enough to send somebody out there full time. Valid. <laughs> yeah. And, and I'm okay with that, you know, cause he's going to, he's going to miss a lot of them. I just want him to take them whenever he has the opportunity. And as you said, I want him to continue to cut, when opportune and you've seen like some of these possessions where he is cutting when he is on the move, 
he he has some underrated vision. Um, he'll 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 be on the move and and lob it up to one of Evan Mobley or Jared Allen or throw a pass you just would not expect him to deal out uh, when on the move. And I think seeing that from him, that's a nice little development too. Um, I guess really what this is really all heading towards is who the hell is going to be in the rotation when all these guys come back? Because, you know, I was interacting with, with uh, one of my followers earlier on Twitter about, you know, how it kind of sucks to see a guy lose their job due to, um, due to injury or possibly lose their job. And I feel like we, we may be seeing that with Lamar Stevens, who was kind of penciled in at the three, um, we saw that with Dean Wade, who all was assured that role until he went down. Um, and then with Isaac right now, um, all of these guys seem deserving of minutes. And it's only going to be going to get that much more difficult to determine who should play and, and who should sit on any given night when Ricky Rubio comes back. And um, I just don't know, man. I like Jamie's going to have to have some difficult conversations. So, um, I say all that to to ask you, as of right now, full health on the roster, give me your nine-man rotation. Nine? I, I was thinking ten because I this is not oh, the playoffs, go JB, okay. because, you, go you know, I don't – as much as I love running my starters 35-plus minutes a game <laughs> in regular season games, uh, this is the regular season, not even the end. It is the beginning. I'm not trying to have tired legs by all-star break. I um, definitely would prefer a 10, and I'd have the starting five that we saw tonight, obviously, with Karis, Kevin, Dean, Ricky, and then that leaves one between Lamar, Jetty. (laughs) Oh, God. Uh, that's why yeah. it's so difficult because like, I feel like that's just has to, I feel like that just has to be what JB's been doing, which is just kind of checking the pulse of the game, seeing what he needs. Because people are like, Why isn't Jetty going in games? Like, this is <laughs> bullshit. And it's like, Well, if we're up, Jetty, what is Jetty gonna bring to the table that we already aren't getting? If Jetty's a player that you kind of like. You pull, you push the button if there's an emergency, and it's that we're down ten and we need someone who's willingly gonna go in with that, like a chicken with his head cut off and chuck that, a Literally, this this motherfucker is so quick. Like seeing him in transition, like you just kind of, I get that feel good kind of thing going on whenever I see him, you know, sprinting in transition because I feel like nine times out of ten he's gonna make whatever layup attempt that he puts up, and sometimes he puts up some crazy shit. Which is crazy because uh, two or three years ago, watching Jetty in transition was like just watching the most uncoordinated man sprint oh. full speed at the rim. And I thought half the, it was like Russian roulette. If you were going to get a good layup or you were just going to see him throw it to the half court off the glass, like it looked like a Harlem Globetrotters alley. It, 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 it literally looked like watching a deer run across the highway full of cars. Like you just never know. What you're gonna get is that is that deer gonna get hit? <laughs> is that deer uh, gonna fall down and get back up? Where is he gonna go straight to the rim? Just crazy, crazy. To yeah, see I mean, but JB, I think he uses Jetty well. It's not like he's in the doghouse because he's been awful. J- Jetty has been very solid because we're restricting him to certain games. It's not like 
last season where Jenny was on fire for the first 33% of the season. We're like, oh my God, is Jenny like a building block for this team off the bench now? And then JB's like those conversations. <laughs> yeah. And then JB's like, um, actually, how would you like to see no Jenny for about two months? And we're like, oh, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Totally. Uh yeah, I know the Turkish fans get really pissed off at that. <laughs> and I enjoy I mean, posting Jetty highlights. <laughs> I would be upset too if I was from Turkey and our saving grace, Jetty Osman, is being put in the doghouse by JB Bickerstaff. Uh, yeah, I mean, you never really have a good answer sometimes for when Jetty is just not in the lineup, I guess, for anything else than what you said, which is feeling kind of the pulse of the game and seeing what Jetty could actually provide because there's so many different candidates that are deserving of minutes here. And you, you can't really pull uh, Karis LeVert. You can't really pull Kevin Love. Those guys are kind of like pivotal key players at this point in time right now. So who you are going to take minutes from? Uh, tonight, Jetty played 17 minutes. Um, and I thought they were pretty good minutes, um, even though he didn't put up a ton of points, just six on the night. But he, you know, whenever he made it, needed to make a bucket, whenever he was rolling out in transition, he made things happen. And I continue to enjoy that. And that was obviously uh, for me heading into this season when I was kind of tinkering around with the rotation that I wanted to see. I did not include Jetty in that because I just didn't think he would be that impactful. Uh, I mean, I'm happily uh, <laughs> able to admit that I was wrong in regards to that. Uh, like I am about most of this shit, but how is uh mom? Where was mommy the Diakite in that uh imaginary rotation? <laughs> <laughs> he was still on the outside because we just hadn't seen enough. I think um I had, <laughs> but you're the president of the Diakite fan club. <laughs> yes, but again, like you just can't like you can't justify pulling like Lamar, Dean, Jetty, Isaac. Uh, there's just especially the position that Mamadi plays, like who are you going to really take off the court? Cause you want Evan and Jarrett to be out there as much as possible. You're going to get have took Luke Travers and put him into my 12 man rotation. I would have, I know you would. If Luke Travers was here, I would think that they would honestly, and no lie. I think if Luke Travers was on the Cavs roster right now, they would probably give him a look at certain points. Um, I think he would have, he would have more of an opportunity to step on the court than, uh, Dylan <laughs> oh, Dylan's days are done in Cleveland. If I'm if I'm being 100, I just don't see him. Are you saying this from a viable source? <laughs> I wish. Have I you been talking to Dylan Windler's mother? <laughs> I mean, I don't say that to be an asshole. I just think the guy, like, even when he does get healthy, like, who is he, whose minutes are, is he actually going to come for? He's going to be like an end of bench guy. I think him and Howell Neto are going to have some electric pregame shoot-arounds. Honestly, I think you're going to see you're going to see some uh, a move be made. Um, I don't know if Dylan can Dylan even be included in that. With I'm not sure. I think he can be. Yeah, I don't know the injury thing. Um, How Robin cares. Um, you know, Jetty even, you know, there's a number of these guys that could be possibly included in some type of deal close to the deadline. But I definitely believe that we might see something to kind of consolidate some of this um, <clears throat> moving forward. But I already had to get the emotional damage of trading JaVale McGee, a great locker room guy <laughs> a few seasons ago. You cannot do the same thing with Rolo. If we get rid of Rolo, what what do we have left if I can't watch him sit? on the hardwood 
night after I love night. having him mic'd up, by the way. Um, <laughs> no, I don't like if I had to rank like my top five Cavaliers that are like the most tradable Cavaliers, Rolo would probably be towards the bottom because honestly, I just don't think a team would be willing to to take him on. Um, and How that's not it's not disrespect <laughs> towards him, it's just like completely if you're, if you're if you're shipping out robin lopez what are you really hoping to get in return um a cap you know, dump yeah exactly and whoever the Cavs ship out it whoever they would want to bring in that would be effective assuming it's likely a starting level three gonna have to part with a lot more than robin lopez um, i don't like this rollo slander <laughs> <laughs> we're getting on topic here uh, man just to kind of circle back in here, is there <laughs> was there anybody tonight where he who you were actually a little disappointed in in tonight's matchup? Um, oh man, I have to kind of think about it. Um, now, nah, if anything, actually, I'm going to pivot and say it was pleasant to see Kevin Love have a pulse again <laughs> <laughs> because that dude's been MIA on the court for a few games lately and maybe it's due to the finger maybe it's just due to kind of being out of the game mentally because he doesn't feel at 100 percent. but tonight kind of looked like the old kevin he had his swagger back he was dishing dimes all over the court prefer uh, <laughs> specifically that one to jetty osmond that no one was paying attention to oh man i will never forget that commercial <laughs> dropping dimes <laughs> and i uh yeah, no, Kevin looked great today. I felt Karis was aggressive again, which I like to see. And I think Karis attacking the baskets, the best version of Karis. I know the beginning of the season stats would say otherwise. Yes. <laughs> you would, yes. But we all know who have watched Karis Levert over the years that his game is not from the three, and that was a massive outlier. <laughs> and if you think Karis Levert's going to be a three-point marksman for this team come the summertime when it's playoffs, uh, I would not be putting your house on the Karis Levert over for three-point attempts made. If I had to say I was disappointed offensively from anyone, I maybe would say Mobley, but I feel like that's because it's very taxing to be guarding Giannis Antetokounmpo on the other side of the floor. So maybe he's not trying to sprint for open jumpers or try to be aggressively attacking the basket when he knows Giannis is his matchup on both sides of the ball. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, for me, I, I probably would have pinpointed in Mobley for that and maybe not necessarily from the fact that, you know, th- from an offensive standpoint, because your point stands like chasing Mobley, chasing Giannis around or trying to stay in front of Giannis is a job unto itself. Like that's a lot of energy expended. Um, and then you, you look at the fouls like Giannis drew some ridiculous <laughs> fouls on uh, on Mobley. Uh, earlier and I don't know if you can can you even argue like Mobley put himself in a bad position on some of those or his assignment is literally to guard Giannis and if Giannis Uh, is running right at him do you think JB would be more pumped if uh, he did like the luchador technique where he just (laughs) skirted to the side and let him just get wide open layups it's just like you basically know when you face Giannis you're gonna be your game, your matchup isn't even against him. It's is the ref going to allow us to play an aggressive form of defense, or am I just going to get the whistle blown on me every time I put some effort to try to stand in the way of this freight train coming right at me? And unfortunately for Mobley, the refs weren't really uh, allowing anyone to play defense on Giannis, 
and uh, yeah, so that's why I was kind of excited that Kevin Love actually looked good because he got thrust into the game with like nine minutes in the first quarter. So it was a long stretch for Kevin Love that I don't know if he was necessarily anticipating uh, tonight when he put on his uniform. I doubt he was either. Kevin played 29 minutes tonight, nine rebounds, nine points, five assists. That's impressive. The five assists to me. Um, Kevin Love continues to look like uh, a semi-point guard. Uh, a point forward, baby. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> he, he's always had that ability. He's He has some pretty underrated vision himself. And I know we were kind of talking about Isaac Okoro showing some of that. But Kevin Love really has throughout his entire career shown the ability to move the ball. Um, the Cavs bench in its entirety contributed, I believe, 21 points on the night between Karis LeVert, Kevin Love, and Jetty Osman. Not bad. Um, kind of in line. <laughs> no, yeah. I mean, it's not a great night either. I mean, it's kind of in line with the Cavs bench as a, you know, just over the season uh, towards the bottom of the league and points per game. A lot of that people like to say is because of the uh, the pace that the Cavs play with. Oh, the lethargic pace? (laughs) Yes, how slow things can be. But I I like to attribute that a lot of the time to the fact that the Cavs bench just shoots terribly on those nights. Um, I mean, when you got guys like Karras, who we want to succeed, putting up three of ten stat lines, uh, and Jetty Osmond kind of being cold every now and then. And then Kevin, you know, until tonight, was really not great himself. Um you you just never know what you're going to get. The good thing was that the Bucks bench was not any better. They also contributed 21 points on the night. And was that uh, like all Grayson Allen? <laughs> it was pretty it was six six and six and three from Joe Ingles. You got they you you, you want to talk about an impressive defensive performance? The Cavs absolutely shut down Bobby Portis tonight. Um, Bobby Portis is actually, I believe, averaging a double double off the bench this season and the they held him to six points and six rebounds on three of seven from the field they did a master full job on bobby portis i'm just backing that up right now yeah <laughs> um fact checking 13.8 points 10 rebounds from bobby portis on a nightly basis this season Cavs held him to six and six it helps That's when you point. have your seven footers just all over him, and I'm pretty sure it took his bug eyes and put him right back in his sockets <laughs> after seeing <laughs> two seven footers looking at him every time he tried to touch the ball. I mean, I think a lot of Bobby Portis's points are usually from stretching the floor, and mm-hmm. if we're cutting, if Giannis is just putting his head down, I don't think the first person he's looking to in the corner is Bobby Portis, which is why people like Marshawn Bochamp, Javon Carter. And Grayson Allen, I felt like we're shooting a ton of threes tonight, which is why I was wondering if Grayson Allen was the leading bench scorer. But, uh, yeah, good good stuff clamping down Bobby Portis like that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, uh, Grayson Allen was actually in the starting lineup. I think he's been starting for them, but I don't blame you for thinking that. Oh uh, but he was they, they shut so him down. <laughs> oh no, dude, you're good. He six points from Grayson Allen, uh, two of seven from the field. So, um, you know, as we were talking about before, they really, really just said, okay, we'll let we'll let uh, let Giannis go to work, and we'll just kind of make sure that everybody else you'll have to beat you'll have to step up. That's exactly what Cleveland said to Milwaukee. Like you can have Giannis and his points. But let's see somebody else step up. And so nobody else provided 
you know, a high level amount of scoring outside of Rick Lopez. He was the next highest scorer for Milwaukee with 14 on the night. Um, just good defensive effort all the way around. And just another feather in the cap of this Cleveland defense in general, who is um, tops in the league still, right? Yep. I want to say they still have the best defense in the league. And tonight that kind of showed, despite Giannis dropping 45 and 14 on us. Ah, he can do that all he wants as long as the rest of the team is shooting pretty abysmally when given the opportunities. Yeah, I just, you know, playoffs. Twos are worth less than threes. That's, you know, we were just talking earlier about how he, there's no significant flaw in his game. Like that's, that's the only thing right now. The consistent three point shot from Giannis, that's the only thing that he can really has to add to add to his game. And, you know, until that happens, the teams will continue to try and build a wall against him just like Cleveland did tonight. Um, all around, just an awesome performance from the Cavs, 114 to 106 over Milwaukee. This team, man, um, they seem to finally be coming around, getting their stride again. This is now their fifth straight victory, heading into a pivotal matchup with the Toronto Raptors. Yes, those same Gary Trent <laughs> I gouge uh, Toronto Raptors. I think Darius Garland should just be DNP'd. (laughs) Maybe because this motherfucker keeps taking shots to the face and it all started with Gary Trent Jr. I think Um, everyone thinks it's like a fun TikTok trend or something to attack Darius Garland's eyeballs, but you know, I'm not having it. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So protect Darius Garland at all costs. That's what you take my eyes instead. I'm sure Cavs Twitter would would uh, would gladly do that. Oh, um, guys, again, cool. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's you or Darius. Yeah, I guess I would probably choose Darius over myself. Anyway, I'm selfless <laughs> like that. I can do a podcast uh, blind. It's fine. <laughs> oh man, Toronto on Friday. Before we get out of here, are you feeling good about that matchup? Toronto is crumbling at the seams, and I'm loving every single minute of it. And you know what? This is just further proving that Scotty Barnes' award was fraudulent, <laughs> and I am totally fine with that. If you want Ben Simmons-type players winning player rookie of the year, that's fine. It should have been Evan Mobley. I would even have taken Franz Wagner at this point. <laughs> Raptors um, are going down as long as Darius is DMP'd. I mean, they're having a tough go right now. And as I'm looking at this injury report for Toronto, uh, we can rest and sleep well tonight knowing that Gary Trent Jr. has uh, is not listed as available for that matchup. Oh, all- no. <laughs> <laughs> if, if he was, I will personally send Darius eyewear that he can wear during the game, like Wendell Carter-esque goggles. He needs them old Horace Grant goggles. Uh, Dude, I take him out of the Orlando history vaults <laughs> and just give them to him, please. Yes, protect this man. I'm so tired of seeing Darius Garland being slapped. I don't need Bally Sports instantly having the highlights either of him getting assaulted on various <laughs> occasions. I've never seen John Michael more excited than doing the play-by-play of watching every single player attack Darius's facial bones. <laughs> they're, they're trying to break my man's face 
in various areas. Um, Toronto right now is in the tenth spot in the uh, in the East at fourteen and eighteen. So I do feel pretty good heading into this matchup against them. Hopefully, you know things work out fine. Um, <laughs> you know, it's like, really like, can you contain Pascal Siakam? Because Siakam right now is on a different level. And if we have the same approach that we did tonight, I think it's going to be pretty successful against Toronto. Because Toronto, unlike Milwaukee, is not filled with shooters. They're more just filled with length and terror. And uh, as Dr. Claus says, booty finger defense. <laughs> so <laughs> That's the best thing I've heard all day. Uh, uh, following that matchup with Toronto is one that I'm kind of looking forward to. And that is a uh, December 26th matchup with the Brooklyn Nets, who are also a very hot team right now. Um, they are fourth in the Eastern Conference. I'm not sure if they played today, but they have one. They did. They games. were beating the Golden State Warriors 93 to 43, I think, at the end of the second quarter. Jesus. Oh my God. Okay. It was like so 52 to 17 at the end of the first. I'm uh, not the Warriors sure. came back. They did. Is it still going on right now? No, it's 143, 113 games over the Nets one. Okay. So I'm I'm assuming that their their win has been factored into this, but seventh either way, seven or eight straight victories for them against some pretty quality competition, as you you know, no doubt just said. <laughs> uh just a light light waxing of the defending champions. Yeah. Some light well, work. Stands Steph Curry. Uh but nonetheless, playing very good basketball right now behind the likes of their big three. Um, do they scare you in the slightest? And, and we know, you know, we know what Kevin Durant's capable of. We obviously know what Kyrie Irving is capable of. Ben Simmons, eh, I guess he's played better um, as of late. But do they scare you? He hasn't you? played. He hasn't <laughs> played. Uh, oh, no, I'm saying he just hasn't played, so he will always play better. Okay. <laughs> um, do they scare you in any sense do they actually put fear into your heart in regards to the Cavs? uh no they intrigue me though because they defensively will offensively will challenge us defensively because the the strengths of their offense don't match up necessarily with the strengths of our defense we're more of an interior defense than a perimeter defense and between Kyrie and Kevin Durant uh they don't really like to go to the basket as much anymore Kyrie is a very crafty finisher on the glass but we I think Kyrie over the years has preferred to not take hard contact at the class. So uh, I think it should be very interesting. I I am excited to watch that game. I think more than just most people looking at that matchup on paper. Yeah. And as I'm looking at their injury report, the only player that's listed is out is actually Kyrie. So I don't know. DNP calf. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know if that's actually going to hold up. Who knows? It probably will. But to say that they blasted the Warriors like that without Kyrie even being a part of it, that's ridiculous. I'm looking at this, this stat sheet right here and pretty much everybody scored is yeah. Every, every single net scored except for Kyrie. who was out obviously. I mean, it puts into context for those listening who didn't watch the game. Uh, the leading scorer for the Warriors was James Wiseman with 30. So that tells you how that's going. Yeah, not great. Jordan Poole, 417. I love their misery. Uh, just, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I love the misery. I tweeted out earlier asking, do, do 
people honestly think the Warriors are going to make the playoffs at this point in time with Steph's injury news. Do you think they're going to make a run at the playoffs? I think they're a pretty deep team. I wouldn't be surprised if they at least make it to the play-ins. I think they I would be shocked if they didn't make it at all. I think they're too talented to not make it. We we obviously know that the East has been the better conference this season. No no team I believe this is still accurate has won 20 games yet in the West. Uh the Nuggets and the Grizzlies are both at 19 and 11 as of at least recording this. Um the Warriors right now are in the 11th spot at 15 and 18. Um, that could be 15 and 19 depending upon tonight. Uh, but it's not looking great for them. Um, and I delight in that. I always like to see the Warriors not do uh, I always like to see the Warriors not do well. And uh, you're a very cynical man, Mac. <laughs> when it comes to the Warriors, yes. Um, anytime the Warriors are doing doing bad, I just uh, I feel a little bit better, especially if Cleveland's lost. I can <laughs> Um, obviously you don't wish injury on anybody. Hopefully Steph comes back, you know, sooner rather than later. But, um, I, I do like the fact that they're losing games. You made that abundantly clear, Mac. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think the listeners are confused on your message in the slightest. (laughs) (laughs) All right, man. I think we've rambled on enough here. Uh, any closing thoughts on tonight's matchup? Must really stink to think that Grayson Allen was a bench player tonight, but he played <laughs> in the starting lineup. That must be embarrassing for whoever thought that. Uh, thoughts and prayers with that person who won't be named. <laughs> <laughs> with that being said, uh, like we always tell you guys, if you like to reach out to us, you know what to do. Leave a rating i mess this up every single recording do you know that if you want to yes reach out, i do know <laughs> at it's cavalier underscore bot on twitter tiktok instagram youtube and more if you want to be added to the exclusive it's cavalier discord chat you know what to do leave a rating leave reviews and a screenshot of said review to it's cavalier 53 at gmail.com and we'll send you an invite that said go calves and have a good night go calves For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done.